You know, Christianity was what first really gave me the language of social justice, having some sort of framework for that. And so that was a really powerful introduction for me, and that's, you know, sort of where my heart will always be. It permeates every part of your life, and it's the grid through which you look at the world. So you don't ever not see its absence. You're, you're, you can never not be preoccupied with where it went. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be materially there is, you know, abundance. Like, spiritually, there is enough. There is enough for a Buddhist. There is enough for a Muslim. Like, there's just enough. This is The Airing of Grief with Derek Webb. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual D and reconstruction. Season 1, Episode 11. I am redeeming this guitar. From a shared journal entry, July 5th, 2015. It's been almost eight years since I became consciously aware that something was amiss in my spiritual life, when I felt a growing disconnect between myself and my understanding, experience, and expectations of God. In many ways, I don't seem closer to being any more grounded in the way that I hope to be this number of years later. I long to believe, but most days I don't. I continue to exist with some kind of severed communication link to the divine. I still talk to God, but hear no confirmable responses. I see little evidence of God's activity in the world. And when I listen to other people speak with absolute certainty about their own answers to prayer or God-ordained convergences or doubtless faith, I am both cynical and envious. Because my personal situation has been one of enduring silence, I can't help but question the validity of other people's hearing from God. However, it also makes me wonder if I'm missing something, if I've somehow become spiritually deaf, or if I have for some reason been abandoned by God. I remain in a position of being in between, not willing to give up the ideal of faith, but equally unwilling to continue down the conventional path that the church continues to tread. My belief in a God remains. I'm still drawn to the claims, teaching, and example of Jesus, and I think there is some enduring value to doing life in community with others who have a shared interest in Judeo-Christian ideas and ideals. It's just that I have a hard time making absolute claims anymore, which most Christian groups insist on, especially in evangelical circles. At times it seems like it would simply be easier for me to walk away completely, and yet, I cannot. From my perspective, life had a source, and it was not accidental. Accepting this, we live for some reason. And what Jesus is remembered to have said makes sense to me and provides some kind of hope, which I can't simply ignore. I don't know what the road ahead will look like, but it's clear to me that the one and only guarantee or certainty in this life is that we're all going to die. And since that's the case, what anyone does matters deeply, including figuring out what one truly believes. All this to say, echoing the words of Modest Mouse, do you believe what you're saying? Yeah, right now, but not that often. 
Although I've become less and less convinced about or by what I believe, I'm not yet dead and choose to say yes to an understanding and embodiment of faith at the fringe. That liminal space between or beyond complete or total disavowal or blind or uncritical acceptance, which could be described as faith amidst disenchantment or conviction in spite of or theoretical belief. Though I have somewhat resigned myself that this will likely be an enduring condition for me to deal with, I don't accept it, nor do I wish it on anyone. In the end, I am but a narrator who can only tell what I know, which of late is spiritual emptiness and silence always. I am redeeming this guitar By reimagining who we are Who you are to me and who I wish to be For you If I cannot be the one to hold you in my arms I will find a way to love you as we are Hey there's a real future for you in IT, I think. Uh, well, off, turning it back on. That's, sure. That's, well, that's what they say. Ninety percent of computer problems are fixed with a restart. So I, I do appreciate your uh, technical expertise. No, it's um, it's I'm a, I'm a nerd, and I'm happy to. Hey, th- thanks for taking a few minutes to chat. I really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. I uh, I'm not exactly sure what I signed up for. Um, okay. But uh, I'm here for it. Okay. Well, I think the idea is that if, you know, if, uh, I mean, have you heard the new record at all or have you? Oh, oh, I have, I have heard the new record. Um, (laughs) oh, absolutely. Um, I was, I was supposed to go to the, the show you did in Wake Forest. Oh, okay. Um, and then I was supposed to have, you know, Two people with me, a very good friend, and my partner, and both bailed on me for Uh, different reasons. And so when it was over, I was like, this is the most devastating, like, 90 minutes I've ever experienced in my entire life. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was was, uh, super, super intense. Wow, Um, okay. No, that was... Well, so... Well, I'm glad we're talking. I mean, basically, you know, the idea, the idea is, you know, for people either having heard the record or it's and it, it's not about the record. We're we don't, we're not here to talk about the record, but it's more like whatever it kind of stirs up in terms of spirituality or deconstruction or resonance or maybe lack of resonance with with what's there and what it kind of made you feel or, and beyond that, there, there is kind of no 
plan. We're just sure. going to spend 10 minutes chatting. <laughs> I think it's funny, like, when you leave Christianity, say, yes. um, like, you don't leave it once. Like, you keep wow. leaving yeah. it. And I'm not going to say I, I, I've left it, but, like, strings keep getting cut. And so, That's like, right. when I heard, I mean, I it probably, you know, the spirit bears the curse. I was like, I've lost another tie to what I used to be completely. It was, um, hmm. it was, it was a, a, a losing again. I called you my proxy for faith. I was like, wow. I was like, Oh no, it's, it's over. Um, I go to a small church in Durham called the Mayus way. Okay. And, um, they have accepted me, um, in ways I, I didn't, ever expected or didn't ever expect to be accepted by a community of faith which maybe Um, complicated your own deconstruction process of like oh wait sure when my small group let me lead um you know a study on peter rollins um yes uh how not to speak about god as a i call it a gaytheist so like (laughs) that's great um and I uh, i was just like Every every week when I sat down to prepare, you know, like some questions and some, you know, cogent thoughts, I yeah. I would be like, how is this happening? <laughs> I, I did wow, not that's amazing. I'd ever, so that was, that's special, but, but again, there's always a, a distance as well. Yes. Um, and, and then it just felt like one more tie was, you know, cut, um, and, uh, wow, so, so fascinating, um, that you, your story to me already sounds like the opposite of a lot of stories, which is <laughs> that you actually, a lot of the times, you know, I wind up talking to people about how maybe the ways that the institution or the congregation or community of the church has fumbled and failed them, that and that that the the tension between how you deal with that separate from the idea of the existence of God, who he is, what he represents, how you see him. It's like, in other words, the, the, the belief itself and the practice of belief, which is what religion is, is just the practice of beliefs. And it's like, so the institution can fail you, but a lot, but oftentimes, you know, people are able to hold on to and separate their actual spiritual faith. And it feels like for you that the practice of the, of the belief and the institution and the people, at least in your case, seem to actually be strengthening, you, you know, maybe the, the spiritual practice and the faith itself because of the ways that they're not failing you. Sure. I'm a, I'm a lot of contradictions. And, no, I love it. I, I just um, love that. I love that um, disruption like to the typical narrative. It's great. I don't know how to express morality without like, my childhood understanding of Jesus, like that forever informs of course. Yep. how I interact with the world. And so I, I, I'm, I know I can't escape it, so I'm not going to try. Yes. Um, I was just super lucky to find a community that would let me do that. Yes. Um, I, I, I lived in New York City for a couple of years, and I thought, surely I'll find a church like this one there, and I did. And so when I came back to Durham, it was like, oh, oh, right, this is, this is, this is, much more home. That's so, um, and and also so unusual that Durham versus New York City, <laughs> like you would really have thought that you would have yeah, found what you were describing sure. in New York City, and for sure not in Durham. But 
I just love but I it. I think I mean, it could only happen in a big city in the South, but right, like yes. that kind of that mix of uh, so much tension, so many tensions. Yes. Um, my my next kind of deeper question would be: What role has the experience you've had with the congregation of people that you've found there who have been so r- remarkable and kind of loving and and done well with the practice of it? Um, how has that changed or evolved or bared upon your actual experience of the faith and the belief for yourself? How, how has that informed or spoken to it? Um, there's just so much distance and so much calm, like so much perspective. So I'm really able to not get worked up about trivial yes. things. Um, you know, uh, I, I was talking to someone the other day who who was concerned about whether they were saved, and I just haven't thought about mm. things in those terms, wow. like right. in a hundred years, you know. Um, and so, I I think uh, so it's had a real also, bearing on on your your faith, your spirituality. I mean, like the the way that these settled, people have like yeah, have loved I you just, and shown up, and yeah. It just feels settled. Um, and wow. uh, on one hand, everything matters, and on the other hand, nothing matters. <laughs> That's right. I can, I can, I can deal with that, that uh, contradiction, that paradox. And do you think that part of it is because you know you have the this this congregation, this community of people with whom you're doing it, and so you know that you have kind of this net to fall into, kind of regardless of of what the circumstance may be, you, you really, you know, you, you have people with whom you're doing it and that you trust and that you love and love you. And is that part of the comfort and the, the settle, the settled, settled feeling that you have, do you think? It certainly helps. It's hard because so much of, uh, my life and the components came together at the same time. I called it the coalescing. So like I moved yes. out of, you know, rural Florida and I stopped being a teacher. So there were just lots mm. of things that, let me be me more of the time. Um, and, uh, so it's hard to say exactly what helped what, but yes, because um, it was all just happening at once and all just was one big confluence of energy. And, but it's certainly give, given me the freedom to explore parts of myself in a safe environment that I might not have been willing to, or might've explored absolutely. less than safely. Um, for, or, for or maybe, sure. Or maybe not done in a way that, felt interactive with your spirituality yeah absolutely um i have i have trouble with the word spirituality as you know someone who might be more of an empiricist than 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 not but um yes Mm. uh we can we can make that word mean a lot of different things no i know Um, it's just it's just if you're willing to (laughs) um but uh, no, that's, that's and so that so I, I I like that. So how and because and mainly because I am looking for for this language also and these words. What 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 is what what are some words that you do like it, that feel that ring true and feel comfortable for you in terms of describing that that um, whatever that is that that thing that exists external of you upon which you lean your weight that that spirituality for like you know. What, what, how I don't do you know describe if this it? Is, yeah, I don't know if this is answering your question, but recently the word abundance has meant hmm. a lot, especially in this political 
uh, climate, um, uh, mm. that there is enough for everyone. Um, mm. uh, and and that for you has a but has a spiritual undertone to it in the way that you use it. For, for sure, like it doesn't necessarily have to be materially. There is, you know, abundance. Like spiritually, there is enough. There is enough for uh, a Buddhist. There is enough yes. for a Muslim. Like, right. There's just enough. Like, there's so you wow, could argue really one of the United States's two political parties preaches a um, a, a message of scarcity, and everyone needs to get their yes. own and look out for their own. Um, and I'm not saying both parties don't, uh, but there no, there you. isn't a compelling alternative out there right now. And I think it it could be it could be abundance could be the alternative. But I may never sleep, just chasing a melody, something sweet enough to. I, again, I don't think that was answering the question. I think the question you're, you you asked, I would have to sit down and think about a lot more. <laughs> but you know what I love is that you, is that it seems not, and it's something that honestly, I aspire to hearing the way that you, how comfortable you seem to be with it is that it seems to not really matter to you. Like you, you seem not to really need that language to that specific name to put on it in order to feel comfortable interacting with it. And experiencing it, which I aspire to, and I think is pretty remarkable. Well, uh, like I, I, I like was... I like that you don't have a a quick answer, and it's something you have to put some real thought into. Like I really I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I don't know if I've had to, I've had to put it in any kind of real uh, language, but I've had a lot of time to be settled. I was chased out of you know a Southern Baptist yes. uh, congregation. Um, my junior year in college so um i'm 33 now so i've had i've had time (laughs) to 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 come to terms with a lot of things Hmm. but uh gosh i i i i did have some questions for you maybe um i wonder if you feel at all behind maybe developmentally and if there's any sadness there or or does that make sense i think um do you mean in terms of like having been worrying about the wrong things the and and uh and you mean like the time that i may be able to now perceive as having been years wasted worrying about the wrong things yeah, there's a whole lot of, you know, sub-questions to that. And I don't know I if certainly, that's too personal. No, 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 there's nothing. No, there's nothing. I, I, hope the, I hope the album sets the right tone of there being nothing off-limits or too personal about any of this. I mean, I'm, I'm the one who put it out there, so I should have to answer for it. But, um, I mean, what there is is a lot of grieving over thing, the loss of things that I thought were there that aren't, even if just not for me. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a call on things that couldn't maybe be there for other people and maybe, um, but just things that I'm finding my experience of things that are just have turned out not to ring true 
and the kind of recalibrating, you know, what took me 30 or 40 years to build, you know, I tore or were or, or was torn down in, you know, a few years and now I'm kind of scrambling to put something in its place and every time I look to lean my weight onto something that was there previously and find myself slipping off the edge of the table, um, I have I kind of grieve it over again, which is the thing that you said before that is I think really rings true for me that it's a it's a thing that you you continue to have to leave or you continue to have to grieve. It's like it's it's perennial, it's perpetual, it's like a death. It's like it's like this is like first Christmas, first you know it's all the stages of grief apply here more so than anywhere because of how it permeates every part of your life and it's the grid through which you look at the world so you you don't ever not see its absence you you can never not be preoccupied with where it went and the fact that it's not there um For when, sure. it was, when it was there previously and so there's a lot of that grief to process and things like that so i don't know if that makes any sense or answers your question no, like I hadn't, I hadn't planned on, you know, re-grieving uh, my loss of Christianity again. Um, it, it kind of like when you lose someone you love, something random will set you off years later. That's exactly right. Um, and so that, it was a surprise. It was, you know, uh, banging my head on a refrigerator, wanting mom to kiss it better, and she's not there. It was, right. It was that kind of feeling. Um, wow. And but so. then you find something that, that will and can, um, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of the reconstruction process is like, what's on the other side? What's, what comes next? What, what can I find to lean on and depend on and, and what can bear my weight even in the short run, um, when those things happen. And that's kind of the process I feel like I'm in and maybe we'll be in for the rest of my life. Um, and maybe that's exactly how it's meant to be experienced. So, anyway. oh, language like meant to be. Oh, 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 that that. that oh, you're yeah. right. That's a trigger. <laughs> yeah, that triggers. Well, so 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 let me let me take back meant to be, because that that that's that is fairly deterministic. If I if I take a moment and really think about a, a it, potenti- I, a potentiality. Yeah, it's oh. or or maybe I should say, not meant to be, but maybe the best way. I mean, like, you know, because because I, I do feel like. You know, there, there are ways that are better ways to do things than other ways, and there are only ways. There are not only ways, but maybe there are better ways. And to me, maybe the processing of an experience of something ex- something meaningful that is external of myself, which is the way that I would define spirituality, and I'm not sure that there is anything meaning- meaningful and external of myself, which is to say I'm not sure there's a spiritual layer of reality. I'm not, I'm not positive. It could all be neurological. Who knows? But if there is, then maybe a... They're not, there's not a right way or a meant-to-be way, but maybe there are better ways of experiencing it than other ways, at least for me. And that's what I'm looking for. So anyway, fascinating to get to talk to you about it for a few minutes. And I'm curious that we could talk for hours, and I hope we do. Um, can we look for opportunities to do that in the future, I hope? Sure. I mean, I'm going to be complimentary for a second. I'm super, like, uh, starstruck right now. You can't oh, see me, but I'm probably... That? I'm probably shaking, uh, and you might be able to hear my voice a no, little bit. No, not at all. Um, so um, it's, I'm very glad I was able to connect with you. And um, your music, each album, um, has meant a lot to me for different reasons at different times. Oh, wow. Um, well, but, the, uh, it, the honor's all mine, and I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you 
are here and that you've stuck around and I hope I hope we have some years left between us and uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully many um, but dude let's talk again because this has okay. been a, it's been a pleasure it's been my pleasure to get to talk to you so well, shoot thank you very much and uh, likewise yeah again again soon please again soon please <laughs> sure certainly when I'm in your neck of the woods next let's not miss an opportunity to hang out in person that's that's nice of you absolutely okay oh man it was a pleasure it was very thank you Derek absolutely we'll talk again uh, bye see ya so I am redeeming this guitar though I am wishing on a star in every moment of my grief choosing you hello hey is this... hi yes this is hey it's derek how's it going good how are you i'm doing fine thanks for taking a few minutes to chat yeah thank you i really appreciate it absolutely um so we have 10 minutes tell me everything <laughs> 10 minutes totally doable <laughs> Uh, well, um, I've been a fan of your work for a pretty long time, oh, yeah. um, probably since I was in middle school. Oh, wow. Um, first with Cademan's Call and then your solo work. Um, and your work has always meant a lot to me um, because I feel like you've always done such a great job at expressing a lot of the tensions I myself felt, hmm. um, you know, between my interpretations of Christianity and what it meant to be a part of the church. Hmm. Um, versus how I felt that that was lived out a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in a pretty conservative uh, Lutheran denomination. Yeah, okay. Um, and I didn't really have any context for that when I was younger, um, when I first became a part of that in middle school. Hmm. Um, so I didn't really understand, you know, when I saw things around me and, you know, the ways that I heard people talk. I was like, well, why do people believe this way? And why doesn't anybody question why we're, you know... Uh, passing along these beliefs, you know, yeah, right. Um, you know, particularly, uh, the political and racial aspects that yeah. I saw of things, but, you know, eventually, uh, you know, I listened to you throughout college and then, um, we you know your song, this too shall be made right. Mm. Uh, that was really meaningful to me, um, throughout my work, uh, that I did throughout college and after, um, because it gave me a lot of hope at the time. Um, yeah. I worked with uh, a lot of people who had been through a lot of traumatic experiences. And that was something that gave me comfort, this idea that one day things will be made right. Yeah. And that like all these things that are really fucked up are one day going to be okay right. somehow and be redeemed. Right. Um, and that song actually echoed and uh, kind of reverberated for me when I was going through my own process of uh, deconstructing things. Mm -hmm. Um, because I would think of that song and I kind of just hit this wall eventually where I was like, you know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I don't think mm -hmm. that there is a day when this will be made right. Yeah. I kind of felt like this is all we have now. Yeah. And it's upsetting to me to see people suffering now. Yeah. And it just didn't seem like there was going to be a time when that, it just, it didn't seem like there was anything that made that worthwhile. Yeah. It's interesting. So, so do you feel like 
I, I, it seems like most of the time when people go through experience are willing to bear through, um, you know, um, deconstruction or whatever, whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's typically either a long burning fuse of just the slow realizing that, um, you know, it, that these things just don't really ring true. And, and, and as you have different experiences and, and are kind of hit the guardrails of whatever mm -hmm. your spiritual belief is, they just, they don't hold you on the road or whatever it is, or it's like a trauma. It's like a, it's a short fuse and it's a bomb that goes off and it's something. And do you, do you feel like for you, was it, was there something that like precipitated it or like kind of led to it? Was it, was it a thing that you just kind of realized over time or was there something, do you feel like that in a more immediate sense kind of called mm -hmm. it into question? Uh, honestly, I would say both. Mm. Um, you know, I think over, you know, there were these years where it was sort of building up, um, you know, sort of the growing doubts, uh, you know, a lot of my personal trauma kind of surfacing during this time when I was working with people who were also in crisis themselves and really forcing me to take a look at what I hadn't dealt with myself. Yeah. Um, and so it was just kind of this, you know, this long growing, um, doubt, um, you know, this growing sense of exhaustion of sort of the shame of always feeling like I was doing something wrong, no matter what I was doing, huh. um, and questioning all my instincts. So there is that aspect of it. And then, um, eventually, uh, there did come a point, uh, where a friend of mine, um, was murdered in a very violent and oh. ugly way. Wow. Uh, and that was kind of the thing. Um, that made me snap. You know, I'd had this, you know, process. Uh, and then once that happened, at that point, I was almost immediately like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Right. If this is now the choice, whose options break our hearts, the lesser evil all too clear. I can't have all of you, I'll take what I can get For me anyway, it felt like kind of determining and deciding some things at one point early on. I, you know, I read six books and decided I had it kind of sorted mm -hmm. out generally. And, right. and then you kind of build a a shrine and a museum and a gift shop and a, the whole thing around <laughs> what, what maybe is a real spark of a real thing, maybe. Sure. Um, and then you kind of live there and you don't really have to go and access the actual thing. You just kind of work on the place and you kind of live in it and that's the thing. But then something happens and you have to bust back into that box in that closet and find that thing that the whole thing was built around because you need it now and you find that it's not there and maybe it was never there. I don't know. But and 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 um, but I mean, I feel like I went a good thirty years, um, not examining like like. And I think a lot of my Christian friends or people who are even post-Christian now would would say the same in terms of like, I feel like I, I had a, a moment where something happened, or I don't know what happened, and I don't really know what was it was about. But it kind of put me on this path to working on and constructing this life and this practice mm -hmm. and 
And then I just, the, the kernel, the spark of the thing generally goes pretty unexamined. You don't really, you don't really keep going back into that closet. You just kind of build the house around it. It's like, uh, you know, when they, when they think they find the burial place of Jesus and they, you mm-hmm. know, within a, within six months, it's a hotel with a gift shop and you don't really, <laughs> and who knows by the end of the day, if the thing's even really in there and who, you know, we don't know. And, and, um, or if you go in there, if it's still, and so I feel like it takes a little bit of both in order for us to really call the thing into question and really examine it. Um, and so tell me at this point for you, the thing I'm always the most curious about is like, what have you found on the other side and, um, motivations for behaviors that still do ring true and you think are important that Christianity doesn't have the, you know, the trademark on like how, what have you been able to reconstruct if anything? Yeah. Um, a lot, I think, you know, I think, you know, I sort of experienced, you know, kind of structurally like one pillar at a time being removed. Right. Mm. And then the whole thing sort of collapsed for me and Mm. that was really painful, but I think it was one of the healthiest choices in the long run for me. Um, you know, I've been able to find a really beautiful community of people who love and support me, um, and who have been there for me through a lot of really difficult things and a lot of really joyful moments as well. Mm. Um, you know, I think one thing that I really took from Christianity that I really value is that, um, you know, Christianity was what first really gave me the language of social justice and having some sort of framework for that. And so that was a really powerful introduction for me. And that's, um, you know, sort of where my heart will always be. And so I still, there, you know, there's a lot of prophetic language that I still find really beautiful, even if I don't, you know, quite believe in like the source of that. Right. Yes, that's right. I feel the same way. I feel still very compelled to ideas like love of enemy. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I'm still, I don't think I'll ever be free of just because they, but the thing I have to remind myself is that like Western Christianity did not invent these things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like they, they might have named them or they might have framed them or organized them into the grid that you look through when you stand where they stand. But at the end of the day, you know, care of neighbor, um, all those good things. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a better way to, it's a harder, but better, more intentional way, healthier way to deconstruct your, your spiritual grid to, it sounds like what, what you just described and what you've managed to do, um, is to basically go through all the things that do ring true and that you feel like are good things. And one by one, just in case, detach them Mm -hmm. and say, no, this is a good thing. And this is, and this is a good practice. And this thing I don't want to lose. I want to separate the baby in the bathwater here and anchor this to something else, to some other motivation or just for, and because what it does is it takes the pressure off of the whole thing to where basically if you wind up getting to the end of a deconstructive process and find it doesn't ring true, the big thing um, then God doesn't get everything in the divorce, you know, <laughs> like where yeah. he doesn't get to take your motivation for caring for the people around you or for, uh, or for, um, answering hate with love or violence with peace. Right. Like he doesn't get all that because that was never maybe his in the first place. And so I think that's a great process to go through it because it makes the moment where you, if you need to, it takes the pressure off 
um, to where you don't feel like you're going to lose your whole identity and how and your wiring and your personality and everything if this thing goes because that takes everything with it. The, your objective moral grid, everything goes and it's like, no, I'm going to make good choices with my behavior and the way I treat people because it's a healthy way to live, because it rings true in my body, because mm-hmm. um, not because there's any external reward or reason. And exactly. And I think it takes the pressure off the final moment where you can say, you know what, even all that detached, I still do think there's something to this. I still do think there's something real. I think there's a kernel of a hope of something or, you know what, I think that's all that it was. I think now that I've removed all my favorite things from it, I don't think there is anything else. And sure. I, and, and that's, but that's a good, that's an important realization too. So, um, and it sounds like that's what you've intuitively done. And, and I think, I think that's it. That's what I'm learning right now is to like one by one to take those things and to re reorient them, to replant them in a different place in order that I can look at the actual thing mm-hmm. separately and reckon with it. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's definitely something that I've been thinking about in relation to my job this week, actually. Hmm. Um, because in my work, I provide grief, I provide grief support to recently bereaved families. Wow. Wow. Um, And, you know, when I work with families, um, you know, everybody experiences grief differently, but there are generally some pretty common experiences, some guideposts, um, that you can give people to kind of have some idea of what to expect along the way. And, you know, within grief theory, there are definitely, um, you know, multiple theories that talk about like the different tasks of grieving and the different needs of grieving, Mm. um, rather than these linear stages. Um, where you're going to arrive at like some final healing, some final healed stage, you know, instead you have, well, these are the tasks that are going to help you get to, you know, a better place with your grief. And it's still going to, you know, live there with you, but it'll look different. And so I've thought about that a lot, you know, with the airing of grief and, you know, with your latest album, um, just thinking about how it was really, really confusing, um, when I first said goodbye to all of this, um, it was definitely confusing to be like, I don't know where I'm at anymore. Um, And this is completely unfamiliar. I'm kind of just feeling my way around this right now. And I think that this is really helpful because, you know, I think this could maybe at least help people have some idea of, you know, if you're going through this, like kind of how does this process look? And That's right. That's right. And just hearing people who are doing it just... And it, and it does, I think. That, that is the hope. That is my hope. That, it, that it's comforting and that it gives people a, a place to jump off or jump in. It mm-hmm. gives people a, a, um, some comfort to not feel isolated in doing it. Um, all of that. And man, I can't tell you. What a great conversation. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to talk to me about it. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's talk again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And if the things we believe as kids were true, could you believe it all for me? Cause I would believe it all for you. scar of who you
Hello to all our listeners, griefers, and anyone else with us on this journey. We wanted to let you know that The Airing of Grief Season 1 will be ending after the 13th episode, just as the 13th song is the final track on the Fingers Crossed album. When that happens, we will not be releasing episodes on Sunday nights between mid-February and April 1st. There is a lot to get ready for Season 2, so we will still be hard at work on the podcast, preparing and shaping content that we hope continues to prove meaningful and moving. But during that time, we will not be gone entirely because we will also continue to release a stream of content to our patrons, including the track-by-track breakdowns where Derek and I discuss the album, its music, its lyrics, production, all that stuff in depth, along with a lot of incredible conversations and phone calls that we were just unable to feature in any of the Season 1 episodes, but we still couldn't imagine not making them available at all. Seriously, for as many incredible people and stories as you've been able to hear featured each week, there are so many more and we're excited to share those voices. We will also still be doing our monthly online hangouts and all the other stuff that's detailed on our Patreon page, so if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely find us there and consider helping support the work of bringing the airing of grief to you. And thank you so much to all of you who are doing that already. April 1st happens to be Easter, and we will be resurrecting the podcast then to debut season two. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. And all that said, we will see you after church next Sunday for the airing of grief. Grief.